Hi, I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. We hear verses 1 through 12. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Before we go any further, I do want to ask that you continue to lift up our trustees in our prayers. We recognize that about two and a half weeks ago, here in Chapel Hill, there was uh, severe thunderstorms that brought down several inches of rain, causing flooding around our community, and in addition, flooding of our educational building. And so our trustees are hard at work remediating all of the damage that was done. Uh, There were a few pictures of the flooring. We've had flooring that has had to come up. Additional parts of the walls have had to come up. As our preschool is scheduled to start back in September, the way it currently would be if a child needed to go to the restroom, they could just crawl under the wall and make their way there. So we lift up all the trustees as they continue to have work before them as they attempt to get all of that reordered and resettled, Uh, but we do ask that you continue to lift them up in prayer. With that, let's go to God once again in prayer. God of grace and God of mercy, as we come together in this time of worship, we set all other things aside. We come to focus on your holy presence, the way that you are always at work. Lord, we lift up our trustees and all the decisions that are before them. We pray that you would continue to guide them and equip them for everything. And now in these moments, as we come together in giving you glory and honor, we pray that you might help us set aside other thoughts so that we might be fully focused on you, so that we would see you glorified today. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this 
in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. As a child, I always had the zoomies, is what you could call it. I always wanted to run. I would run around on the playground. I would set up races. I always loved to run. And in fact, as that continued on, as I got older and then continued to play baseball, I realized that when they started throwing that curveball, I could never hit a curveball. But if I could get on base, if I could walk, I could still run. I'd definitely be taking another base. My mother, in all her wisdom, was able to see my deficiency of athletic skills. And she said, you know, maybe baseball's not for you. Maybe it's track and field. And I listened to my mother wisely. And I ran track and field in school and did, did cross country. And it was something that I developed this love for this running, a love that I quickly put aside as I got married and life became busy and children came along. But then somewhere around the late 30s, early 40s, I started falling back in love with running. And living here in North Carolina, we are people that affirm and encourage one another. And so as I would be out running the streets in a small eastern North Carolina town, people would offer me words of encouragement. They would see me running along, and next thing you know, a window would get rolled down, and I would hear that words, those words of encouragement, run, Forrest, run! <laughs> which was absolutely hilarious in the middle of my run. Or even better, I might be running up a hill, and I'm sure that my face might have been emoting the struggle that I was experiencing at the time. So people wanted to offer me encouragement. They'd roll down that window, run faster! <laughs> that helped. It really helped me get up that hill. I think uh, one day I was out running and I saw a member of my church and they honked their horn and they waved. They made sure that I saw them. And that Sunday they came up to me and I was pretty proud of myself and the effort that I was putting into those runs. But this person came up to me. I saw you out on the sidewalk the other day. What do you call that? Fast walking? <laughs> Let me see you try it. You know, people offer all kinds of different words of encouragement. Sometimes I wanted to tell them that they were number one in a different kind of way, but I did not. My wife shared the funniest words of encouragement, though, that I heard about running. Jennifer said that if I ever saw her running, then I knew something was chasing her and that she didn't think she could take them. We run from things. We run from all sorts of things. And today we're looking at the story of Jonah who ran. He ran away. I find it fascinating that the name Jonah literally means dove. And here in the story we see Jonah taking flight. Jonah fleeing from what God has called him to. As we look at this oldies playlist, we perhaps remember learning first the story of Jonah as children. Maybe reading from a children's Bible that was illustrated, had pictures. Maybe we remember hearing about it at vacation Bible school. Maybe we learned in Sunday school. But today, I hope that we can look at the story a little bit deeper and to see the ways that we ourselves, oftentimes, we choose to run. So as Jonah begins in the story of Jonah, the word of God comes to Jonah and it says to Jonah that he would to get up and to go to Nineveh and to cry out against the people 
for their violence and their evil ways has come to God's attention. Jonah hears this message, this word of God, that he is to get up and to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh, a huge town, three days' journey to walk all across it. And Jonah hears this message of God to go and to cry out against it. And instead of going to where God had told him to go, which was only about 500 miles, which is still a pretty good distance, 500-mile journey, Jonah sets off to the port town of Joppa to head to Tarshish, which was 2,500 miles away. Now, what's fascinating about this, instead of going to where God has called him to go to, he chooses to pick a place that is the furthest location that they had even charted on a map at the time, according to historians. In fact, they're not even sure exactly where Tarshish was. Some scholars believe that it was in northern Africa. Others, most people believe that it was in southern Spain. But it was the furthest most place on the face of the earth as far as they knew it at the time. So instead of Jonah going to where God had told him to go, he wants to go the furthest away. He wants to go so far away. Why does Jonah not want to go? What is he running from? Well, he's running from God's desire, from God's will, from God's ways. We find ourselves doing that as well. So many times we know what God's will is. We know what God's ways are. We understand that God has created us in such a unique and divine way. And yet we ourselves choose to be out of alignment with what God's purpose is for us in our lives. That's what Jonah decides. Jonah goes, and as the scripture continues, Jonah gets on the boat. He pays his fare of this cargo ship. And then it says that God causes a great wind come upon the ocean, causing this tremendous storm to come up. However, as the crew members on this ship are beginning to cry out to the names of their own gods for salvation, as they are beginning to throw off some of the cargo of this cargo ship, where do we find Jonah? Well, if you continue in reading that story, Jonah is in the midst of the storm down below, sleeping. Goodness. I seem to remember somebody else doing something like that one time. Doesn't that sound familiar? Somebody being asleep on, underneath the boat in the midst of a storm? Well, as Jonah's down there sleeping, the captain looks around and recognizes one of their people is not up there crying on the name of their God. And so the captain goes down and awakes Jonah and tells him to come up. Cry out to the name of your God that we might be saved. And so Jonah comes up. But if you read that story, you'll see Jonah does not cry out to the name of God. Jonah does not cry out to the name of God. Instead, they're in the midst of the storm. They're throwing all the cargo off to be able to lighten the load so that the ship might not run aground. I mean, that's the purpose of a cargo ship, to have cargo. That was the purpose of them going to Tarshish. But now they've thrown it all overboard. And so they are panicked of what to do. So the scripture tells us that they cast lots. Let us cast lots to begin to inquire about why we might be in the midst of such turmoil. And as luck would have it, Jonah's lot is cast. And so they ask Jonah, who are you? Whose people are you? Where are you from? What is your occupation? What are you doing? And Jonah simply replies, 
I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord God Almighty, the maker of the heavens and the oceans and all of dry ground. And so now they know this must be the one. And they want him to cry out to his God once again, as they have been crying out to the name of their gods. They're asking Jonah, cry out to your God, the Lord God Almighty, the maker of the heavens and the earth and the oceans. Cry out to your God that we might be saved. And did you note as you read this story, Jonah still is not willing to cry out to God. He's still not even willing to cry out to God, even in this moment. He knows the reason he's in the circumstances that he's in is because of the way that he's run. He knows that he has got to cry out to the name of God, but you know what he tells him to do instead? Instead of crying out to the name of God, he tells him, pick me up and throw me over the boat. He would rather put his hands in the mercy, his fate in the mercy of the seas than in the mercy of the Lord God Almighty. He still will not cry out to God. This is one of the reasons I think I can relate to Jonah so much. He's so obstinate and stubborn. And if I read the Bible story, then that's the way that I see myself so much. I've been so obstinate and stubborn throughout my life. And I think that this story is so important to me. It's one of those stories that has resonated for all of my life. Uh, just like for John Wesley, who had an incredible transformation, transformational moment, hearing the preface to the letter of, uh, to the Romans by Martin Luther. Just reading that, and his heart was strangely warmed. For me, hearing the story of Jonah, I see myself so much in it, and I'm reminded of a Bible study years ago that I attended. And in that moment, I think... My heart began to be strangely warmed. Here in the story, Jonah has been so stubborn. He's running from what God has called him to do. He's running from the way that God has uniquely made him and crafted him to be this one that goes to proclaim a message of repentance to the people of Nineveh. And he would rather die than go and to live into how God has called him. Well, the people on the boat, they know better, and they themselves don't want to cast him into the ocean because they are fearful that they would be taking the life of one of God's servants and that then God would seek to have retribution upon them themselves. And so they are reluctant to do what Jonah has told them to do. But ultimately, they do. And that's where Jonah is swallowed by the whale. Now, when I was a child and I heard this story, I'm reminded, I, I, I thought of the movie Pinocchio. Any of y'all remember seeing Pinocchio and seeing the whale that swallows Geppetto, Geppetto as he's out searching for Pinocchio? And in the movie, there was a scene where, where he is just sitting there inside of the whale and he set up camp. He's writing, he's got a little fire going, he's, he's reading. He, I mean, he's got a place relaxing what else are you going to do inside of the whale? And as a child, that's the way I always visualized Jonah inside of the whale, just sitting there twiddling his thumbs. And if you remember in the scripture, Jonah was inside of the whale. How many days? Three days and three nights. Goodness, that reminds me of somebody else that was something about three days that they were inside of something. One day it'll come to me maybe. Jonah's inside of this whale for three days and three nights. And in the midst of that time, in the belly of the whale, Jonah prays. In chapter 2 of the story of Jonah, we have Jonah praying 
praying out to God, acknowledging who God is. And I love how in verse 9 of chapter 2, he says, But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Jonah has gotten to this point that he realizes he can run no further. He cannot continue to run. He can't outrun God. He's tried. He's tried to go to the furthest place on the face of the earth as far as they knew it to avoid what God has called him to do. And he, instead of making the changes in his life to go and to do what God has called him to do, he has decided to go to the furthest place that he even knew. And he then even decided to go even further than that into the depths of Sheol as he asked them to throw him into the ocean. So many times for us, when we find ourselves trying to live out according to our will, according to our ways, according to our own understandings, instead of God's will, God's ways, and God's understandings, we find ourselves in the belly of a whale. But the thing is, even though we may run to the furthest place, run as far away from God as we can, you can't outrun the God who is constantly pursuing you. You cannot outrun the God that looks upon you and loves you no matter what, that there's nothing you could ever do to separate you from the love of God. No matter how far Jonah ran, God did not give up pursuing him. God was in the wind. God was in the storm. God was in the whale. And when Jonah finally surrendered, when he decided to quit running, God called upon the whale to spew him out upon dry land, to regurgitate him. That's something that'll come up again and again. You have to think about that one. <laughs> Poor Jonah. In that moment, he had reached that point of surrender. That's when he followed God's call. Oh, he was still reluctant. I, go ahead and the rest of the day you can read Jonah chapters 1, 2, 3, and 4. It'll take you less time to read it out loud than it will for me to preach this sermon. So I encourage you, go ahead and read the rest of the story if you don't know the rest because we don't have time to speak through it all. But what we do see is when Jonah goes and he proclaims, people's hearts are turned. When Jonah gets in line, aligned with God's will, the world is changed. Friends, for us, when we get according to our will, according to our ways, according to our own understandings, we're out of alignment. And just like when you hit a pothole and your car is no longer in alignment, you find yourself and we're going off in different directions instead of the one that God intends for you. For me, that's where the story resonates so profoundly. I knew from a childhood that God had called me and that God had a specific purpose for my life. Just like God has a very specific purpose for each and every one of your lives. God has demonstrated his love to you through the gift of Jesus Christ. And we, we accept that gift of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that has been paid on our price. We receive a gift from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives and breathes within us. And it equips us and empowers us to do something beyond what our own capabilities normally would be. To live into this new calling, this new life. Early in my childhood, I knew, I felt that calling. I felt that God had crafted me in such a unique way. 
in kindergarten, I was inspired so much by the love of Jesus Christ that I started a small group called the Jesus Club. And our purpose on, and of this small group of Jesus Club was to reach out and to evangelize, to let people know about the love of Jesus Christ. And so I gathered my small group of friends, and we would go out during recess, and we'd see one child playing by themselves. Maybe nobody else was around, and the teacher wasn't watching. And we would form a um, prayer circle around said child. And I would step forward, and I would ask, do you love Jesus? And if they took too long to answer or if they said no, we laid hands on them. Let's put it that way. I would be so proud to come home and tell my dad, Dad, we saved another one today. It was only later that I learned that that was not a proper form of Bible thumping. Uh, that was not the way to win folks to Christ. But I had this heart, this passion, wanting other people to know about the love of Jesus Christ. I might have been misguided, much in the same way that many people are today in the way that they attempt to beat down others to show them the love of Christ. But over the years, I continued to know that God had crafted me, had called me, had filled me for a purpose. And I didn't want to live into that purpose. My father is a retired Methodist pastor, and so I knew that life, and I did not want to live into that life. So I myself, in many ways, like Jonah, I tried to go in the opposite direction. I tried to go from the furthest thing. Instead of answering a call to ministry, I thought my call was into politics, which if there are two things that stand vastly apart are those two. But in the midst of that time, somehow God had the grace and mercy to allow my wife Jennifer to accept that marriage proposal, and we got married. And as she was in law school, again, I was struggling, fighting this call, trying to find my way. And one night, she invited me to go with her to Christian Legal Society, a small group there from the law school that was gathering together for a Bible study. I was there that night, I heard someone teaching on the book of Jonah. And in that night, I heard my own story, my own way that I ran in the opposite direction. I believe it was that night that I began to finally accept and find myself in the belly of the whale to surrender. Friends, if we continue to run away, we're going to continue to find ourselves going astray. We're going to find ourselves that we fight against the alignment of, with God. We're going to find ourselves continuing to struggle. And when we are out of alignment with God, it seems like every bad thing that comes upon us, we think of that as punishment for what it is that we ourselves have done or not done. But instead of seeing it in that way, I believe that God has called us to be in alignment with him, to, to answer to that call that he has placed upon your heart, to be in alignment with his will, with his ways. And maybe we're afraid, maybe we're running from those changes that God is calling to put upon our lives. Maybe we're afraid because of the change that we don't want to have to make. Maybe we're afraid of, we're running away from it because it doesn't go according to our will or what we wish for. But I believe that when we surrender to the God who constantly pursues you, relentlessly is after you to show you the love. He has shaped you and formed you in the womb. He knows your innermost parts, your innermost thoughts. That is the God that will not stop chasing you. You can't outrun God. And so what I learned from Jonah 
It's time to surrender. Surrender before we find ourselves in the belly of the whale. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. You are the potter. I am the clay. Today, I invite you, stop running and turn to him. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, we give thanks for the incredible way that you relentlessly pursue us. So many times we resist. We run away. And yet, Lord, you just continue and will not stop. So today, Lord, whatever it is that we are running from, I pray that we would be willing to surrender. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And may we truly fall into that love that you have for us. Today, God, we surrender. Pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.